Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of September 22nd. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner here as always to discuss all of the latest Dirt Late Model news and results with the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff. Won't quite be the rest of the editorial staff. Our managing editor Todd Turner has the week off, so Kevin Kobach, Robert Holman, and myself will do our best to hold it down uh, without him this week. Kevin, I know you're coming off a, a busy week. Uh, weekend there at Knoxville, but I'm gonna need you to kind of step it up. And let's you know make sure the show goes on without Todd. Do you think you can handle it despite being uh, kind of worn out from a, a long trip there to, to Knoxville? Yeah, I guess we'll I'll have to you know fill fill the gap here with uh, with Todd uh, out for the week. I, I think we can do it. And, and Knoxville wasn't wasn't horribly tiring. You know, it's only one division, and the race is ended by 10 o'clock each night. Uh, the prelims and it was like oh about 10 30 with the with the feature a little bit after that so it was it was actually very refreshing not too hot either so really it was about the perfect weekend you could ask for for a for a three-day show yeah i wish our uh, we, we should do a video podcast so uh, our listeners can see uh, kind of the little smirk you have on your face because i know you're kind of rubbing it in on me i was at texas uh, <laughs> texas motor speedway this past weekend and all the the good stuff that Kevin just described uh, the early end, the only one division. Uh, we didn't have that at Texas. It was a, uh, I think somewhere around eight divisions. I lost count. There was seven or eight divisions of modifieds alone. It seemed like, but uh, but anyway. So f- for myself, it was a, a bit of a long weekend. Only two nights though, so I had one less night on you. I was at the uh, Texas Dirt Nationals there, at the Dirt Track at Texas Motor Speedway. Robert, I believe you were uh, kind of helping out from home this weekend, right? You got rain. You were planning on going to the big crate race, but that got rained out. So, uh, did you end up racing anywhere, or did you, did you stay close to home? Uh, didn't didn't go anywhere. Stayed home and uh, just kind of uh, checked out the you know race wire and and helped out a little bit there. Uh, you know, I gotta say, you're awful brave telling Kevin that he has extra space to fill on on this deal because <laughs> oh my goodness, what are we in for today? What are we in for? So I'm looking forward to it, but. Yeah, uh, we're missing Todd for sure, but uh, ready to get going here. That's right. All right. Well, speaking of getting going, let's uh, let's start by uh, well, we'll we'll uh, mention that we have two big races as we talked about to cover two fifty thousand to win races over the weekend. Uh, of course, that was the Lugasol Late Model Knoxville Late Model Nationals that uh, Kevin was at, where Mike Marler won the event for the third time, a fifty thousand dollar payday for him. And then down in Texas at the Texas Dirt Nationals, surprise, surprise, Brandon Overton uh, picks up another fifty thousand dollar payday. Um, he's racking up quite a quite a, a record there, quite a quite a season uh, there. It was yet another big win for him. We'll start with with Knoxville uh, with you, Kevin. Um, at what point did you uh, you know? Did you realize that Mike Marler was a can you know a contender here uh, at Saturday to win it? I mean, obviously, I, I mean, watching from afar, it seemed like Tyler Herb was the favorite, and I never really, I never, I was kind of surprised to me again watching from afar to see Mike Marler uh, end up winning it. What what about there? Did was he a contender all weekend? At what, what point did you realize he was you know hey going to probably win this thing? Well, I think he was good in the prelims. Uh, I mean, he was good enough to get the third starting spot with the points. So, uh, but he did crash the one night, uh, not crash, but hit the cushion and really tore up the nose. I mean, uh, he kind of folded it under on, on the right front there and um, did some damage. Uh, what wasn't anything other than, uh, than body work and some little bit of suspension. Uh, so that took him out of the one night. Uh, but the other night he ran well and, and, Mike Marler at Knoxville. I mean, uh, he's just good. He's he, that's place is, uh, uh, is, is fits him for some reason. The thing I didn't really realize, I, I totally like forgot that 
he was really going for three wins in a row in the National Nationals because he didn't run it in 2018 and 19. 18, he was uh, down to like one car when he was going. Remember, he maybe was going for the World of Outlaws Championship that year. Uh, and even though he was on a two-race win streak already in the Knoxville Nationals, he decided, decided to skip it uh, just so he could focus on getting that title uh, down the stretch there. So um, in case something happened at Knoxville and he wouldn't be, uh, you know, messed up with a car or anything, you know, having to really scramble. And then 2019, he didn't go back. So, I mean, it's been, it's four years since Vince Mahler was there. And that's kind of crazy to, to think about how time flies. It seemed like it was just yesterday. I was talking to him after he won two in a row uh, there. And, 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 and this was his third different chassis too, that he's run this. He brought the Longhorn that he debuted a few, uh, you know, at Eldora the week before and really did well. And, um, and, and I guess if you look at his, his stats from the year and his, his, uh, results, you wouldn't really, that's, that's what you would say. Like, no, he won't be a contender here. He's not, he's not a guy that you're going to be looking at because he only had three wins, one with the Lucas oil series. He's 10th in the Lucas oil points. And, you know, he hasn't really shown out this year he's, and he's going back and forth between uh, chassis, between rockets and, and, um, and he went over the Capitol for a while. Now he's a longhorn. I mean, it literally his Josh Davis, who, uh, uh, his his crew chief, he said they and Donk, his other crew guy, they have put together nine different cars this year, nine for for Marler, wow. back and forth. I mean, those guys said that you know Josh was like, man, I th- I think we've we've put cars together so so much, we should open up our own uh uh you know car build chassis building shop because we're like so used to it. So there's been a lot of back and forth with Marler, and and that never never really helps, but. What he did here, I think, that really made him so good at Eldora and here is he's, he's found a, a, a good uh, the good combination with the Longhorn. Last year, he did track Longhorn for a little bit, he said, but he had a Ford motor in it. Uh, and the Fords are a little heavier, he said. And, and he wasn't on the program that other Longhorn guys are on. Most of them are running Chevys, it seems like. Uh, so he got a Chevy now. He's got a Clement Chevy in there the last couple of weeks. And and just that seemed to like spark him. You know, he just said it just feel more comfortable. He's able to really kind of trade some info with some other guys. And man, he was good. You just was, man, he, he, he just had to get, he knows how to get around uh, Knoxville. He's just very comfortable there. And, and, and there's no doubt he made some great moves to win that race. I mean, he passed McCready on a restart, you know, a lot 40 after Tyler Herb had his trouble lose the lead and, and then he just made the right moves down the stretch and traffic traffic uh kind of a massive role performance there down the down the end for uh for marlo to win that again yeah and it only uh like you said only took nine tries to get the right combination there that's <laughs> yeah. what you were talking about but that's uh man crazy that is, that is crazy yeah it is crazy but at least for him and his guys you know they now have two uh solid runs to show for all the hard work and 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 the persistence they've had this year um you know is really obviously paying off with the runner up at Eldora and then the big win uh at Knoxville uh it is and I, I want to ask you this cuz you probably would know this so i believe it was his highest paying for Marler his highest paying victory race win mm-hmm. but he had a second place at the dirt million was a little over 50,000 right and then also he yes. won you know, a points payout for those World of Outlaws that was a hundred thousand. So it's highest paying race win, but third highest actual payday, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, then his past uh, uh, Knoxville Nationals are both forty thousand because remember this year they they upped that purse just a few weeks ago to make it fifty grand and uh, and twenty five for second, which 
by the way, McCready got her first, second, another second place. It's his fifth big race, second place finish. And, uh, and that's uh, 20,000 for all of them. So he's over a hundred thousand just with those five second place finishes, uh, now. And, and that 25 grand was the biggest second place payoff for a dirt late model race since those dirt millions uh, at Mansfield. And also the, you know, the Eldora million way back in, uh, uh, you know, more yeah. almost two decades ago at Eldora. So when that was 50 grand for second. So, uh, yeah, that's a, it was a, it's still a great payday for McCready, but man, he's got to be thinking, man, if we just get one or two of those, you know, how much better this season would be. You know, I looked uh, at his, this is going off his website and this was just me looking quickly. So I could be um, off on this a little bit. I'm pretty sure he has eight wins uh, on the year overall and eight runner up finish, second place finishes. And of course, what five of those now have been in or more have been in, Crown Jewel, major five or six of yes. yes, major, major races that pay 20,000 or more, basically. Um, so it, it's, it's wild to me. I looked and he's got to be right around. I don't know the exact numbers on a couple of the runner up finish. Like he finished second at Char the Charlotte race. Um, that was 20,000 to win. I don't know if I'm, I assume that was maybe 10 for second, but he's right around 150,000 in runner up finishes. McCready is, uh, this year, his victories, his eight wins, I think is 90,000. So that's to me, just wild how he's just racking up second place finishes. And at the end of the day, it might, you know, most people are, don't notice that and they'll look back on the year. And, you know, when we're talking like driver of the year candidates and all that, you know, it won't be noticed, but I think that's, that's worth some kind of recognition or definitely worth mentioning. Would you, would you agree there, Robert? You know, definitely when you're, when you're trying to pay the bills, uh, you know, it definitely helps for sure. And, and I think that's worth noting. You know, when you have a uh, a big money race, if you go into a season and you tell a guy, hey, you're going to win eight races that pay $15,000 to win this year, will you accept that? I don't know anybody that's going to sit here and say no. Then you guys say, hey, you're going to have uh, eight races that you don't win. Is that okay? And the guy's like, eh, I don't know. But then when you tell him, hey, those those races you don't win pay fifteen to twenty to twenty five thousand for second. Is that okay? Most of them are gonna, you know, everybody wants to win, but they're gonna say, yeah, I can live with that. You know, I think I can I can live with those stats because at the end of the day, it's about getting to the next track, paying your tire bill, you know, paying your mortgage. You know, uh, especially with, with Timmy's always been one of those guys to say, you know, hey, we need uh, we need to race for more money. Uh, he's told me that before even uh we need to uh we need to w this helps we we want some money so we can pay some bills now i mean he's been that kind of guy who 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 looks at the whole picture especially after several years of of racing you know not necessarily on his own but the way that he did uh with uh toward before he got really hooked up with uh with the situation that he's in now so you know it's a, it's a great for the program. I, I can't think of anybody that's going to complain, you know, about that for sure. And, and when you look at stats, you got to look beyond the first place stats. If you're going to, if you're going to consider make your, obviously there's two leading candidates for driver of the year right now, but if you're going to, you know, if you really want to be fair, you've got to look beyond the first, first place, you know, uh, you got to look at all their stats. And so that's definitely a stat that's worth noting for, for Tim McCready, you know, to, to get him in the conversation, you know, how close he's been, you know, think about it. If he's if like, 
Kevin said, you know, he's sitting here, probably Tim's probably sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I could have got one or two more of those, maybe been a little bit closer. Had he done that, he's he's more than just in the conversation. Think about that. Had he had he managed to finish first in half of those races that he, he was runner up, he is more than in the conversation. He is he is right there smack with them, you know, and it makes it that much tougher for for the people trying to decide who who this year's driver of the year is going to be. Yeah. One uh, one other thing McCready has going for him, and, and I had a, a boost in, I guess you could say, uh, this week was the Lucas Oil points chase. Uh, I, I, I believe um, uh, Jonathan Davenport's uh, mechanical issues in the finale there cost him second place in the points. And I feel like uh, at this point he's he might not be able to recover. I, I don't. I mean, what do you think, Kevin? Looking at looking at the points there, do you think he's still got a shot at catching McCready, or are we? Is it you know is it McCready's bout got it wrapped up now at this point if things go smoothly for him? Oh yeah, it's uh it's gonna be real tough now. I mean, I could I could tell just from talking to Jonathan after the race. Uh, I mean, I went over there shortly. The race was still going during the red flag at Knoxville. Uh, he had already dropped out and was changed and everything. And, you know, he's, he's, he, he just doesn't like Knoxville too. It's probably not bad. It's always been bad luck for him and he's never comfortable there. So um, on top of that, here he is running, uh, you know, falling behind with McCready up front and, and more in the points. So, so I think he's 375 points behind. If I'm not mistaken now. I mean, that's a, that's a big nut to, to crack now with only uh, nine races to go. Uh, it's not impossible. I mean, he could still, I mean, he's, He's made up some ground already this year uh, a few times, but never gotten over that hump. I think he got under about 100 points one time, uh, but he never got close enough to, to really. I mean, that was that one time when he's kind of put some pressure on McCready and, and Timmy kind of felt it coming. Uh, he knew that he had to step up his game a little, and, and he has. I mean, he's, he's right up front every race, even if he's not winning them all. And, and now uh, – He's got a nice cushion. I mean, Hudson O'Neill is actually second now. It's not Jonathan actually fell a third, so he's got another guy to pop over um, uh, to, to get to even get close to McCready. And it's going to take some bad luck from McCready, I think, now for uh, for Jonathan to to catch up. It's uh, it's not not going to be an easy easy task now. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's like it's going to take some some uh, poor finishes on McCready's part. And the problem for Davenport is McCready has been obviously with his second all his second place finish is one of the most consistent drivers, uh, you know, this, in the sport this year, uh, across the sport, not just on the Lucas Oil Series. So it'd be hard to see him having that much trouble, uh, you know, in these those remaining races. Robert, do you have something you're going to add? Well, you know, a couple things, you know, on that points race. Uh, I'll ask Kevin this first, and then I'll get to my to my other points. Um, has What's the biggest deficit that a driver has overcome in the Lucas Oil points leaving Speed Weeks, Kevin, do you know? Do you remember? Uh, I'm not positive off the top of my head, um, but it's it, that's again. It, it really you when Outlaws and Lucas, it's it's tough to come back. You don't really see a lot of guys make up like big ground. I mean, once they go them out of Speed Weeks, it's almost set a little bit. You know, this is these are the guys that are the contenders, and um, and, and I don't think it's you don't usually see a big comeback. 
Uh, and right now, I think well, with, a, with a Lucas race, you can make up, um, what, 125 points or something from first to last. And you got 10 points you get for fast time, too. So you get a little bonus. So you could you can make up, you know, roughly 125 points a race. But that other guy, that's if you win and the other guy finishes last. And but Creedy hasn't hit. It, it, if, if he has a bad night, it's usually not going to be a 24th place finish. Or usually he he's able to, uh, or a lot, many of them, uh, the top guys really rarely have those kind of finishes. So that's what makes it even, even more difficult for, for Davenport to close that gap. Well, yeah, you know, my point, uh, go ahead. Uh, my, my point to my, I guess my point for that question there, you know, Kevin is, is drivers, like you said, seldom make up a big deficit coming out of speed weeks. How are we to expect Davenport to make up a huge deficit with, six weeks left or whatever we have left in the no season, doubt. you know, yeah. I know if we, if we, if we could, don't expect them, if, if they seldom make it up and, you know, there have been a few comebacks, but if they seldom make it up leaving Florida, how in the world are we going to make it up here in mid September? I just don't see it happening. And, you know, and the other thing, are we insulting Hudson O'Neill here? We're sitting here talking about Davenport and making up these points and he's, <laughs> he's third. Oh, we're, we're not, let's not throw shade on Hudson. Because Davenport has to outrun two people now. You know, Hudson O'Neill yeah. is sitting there thinking, why can't I make up these points? You know, obviously he hasn't he hasn't been quite as consistent as Davenport over the last, you know, three or four months. But still, for Davenport to actually win the title, not only one person has to have some bad luck, now two people have to have bad luck. And that's just not going to happen. So let's not throw some shade on, on Huddy here because, <laughs> you know, Let's let's not do that, you know. Yeah, I was going to mention him. I was going to mention Hudson and say that you know he, despite you know he he crashed out at Eldora uh, for the uh, 50th World 100, pretty spectacularly. Not his fault. He got caught up in something there, but pretty uh, uh, got crashed out pretty hard. And then he started his week at Knoxville with a pretty hard wreck. And despite all that, he's he's you know at least the, his, a nice consolation is that he's now second place in Lucas Oil points and uh, has the opportunity there to maybe. Uh, it, you know, what would be a great finish to the season for him, uh, along with the victories, the wins he's got uh, this year, uh, if he can hold on to second there. Um, you know, Kevin, real quick, do you think he's you think he's capable of doing that? And, you know, Robert alluded, and is there any chance he maybe catches McCready? Yeah, it's a pot. He's, I just checked, and he's 310 points behind. So he's got 55, uh, I mean, uh, 65 points on, uh, on Davenport. So it's a little bit of a cushion there, actually. Uh, but 310 points, that's – uh, that, that's again, that's still a lot, you know, that's a, that's a good, almost a three, basically a three race cushion that McCready has on him uh, with nine to go. Uh, and, and you really, uh, man, O'Neill really did make a great save this weekend to, uh, have a, to get to second place in the points. Cause that car was beat up. It looked like the car was done for the weekend after that, uh, after that wreck, when, uh, he got over the cushion and got hit so hard by Logan Martin the first night. I mean, that, I mean that, that front end was tore up, but they they had they stayed up till four in the morning and got that thing fixed, and and then he ends up getting a a, a decent finish in the hundred lapper to to be able to to leave Knoxville second in points. So he he had to count that as pretty successful. That's the kind of things you got to do uh, when you're when you're point racing, you know, like uh, you know, minimize the real bad nights and or weekends. And he did uh, again, but he's he just. He hasn't quite shown he's got those big flourishes, especially two uh, two big uh, crown jewel wins and some some other races this year. And and he's definitely had his best, most consistent year uh, of his career. But he's just not. He it seems like I mean I think that's why we don't 
think of him. He's only 21 years old now, just turned it a couple weeks ago. And he's still learning. It seems like he's still make, taking those steps. And uh, I mean, I, I know we were, I was talking, I, I, McCready was my pick for the championship beginning of the year. I just felt like he's done. He hasn't won his cha- uh, championship since 2006. He's some come so close and I just don't see, I, it just seems like it's his turn. Hudson O'Neill's turn's coming. I mean, he's got a lot of years left and it's, it's going to happen for him. But I just don't – he needs another year, at least another year under his belt. But it's just just not there yet. That's why I think we kind of minimize his chances uh, because McCready's so good and so due for a title. Right. I I tend to agree with that. One uh, one other thing we need to talk about before we uh, wrap up our discussion on Knoxville is uh, Tyler. I don't think we've really mentioned him much yet. But uh, I'll I'll be honest, obviously he sweeps the prelims. And um, I'm there at Texas and has some stuff going on. And, and I look, just check my phone and I see that he's winning 30 something laps into the, the, the finale there at Knoxville. And I'm like, oh, he's going to literally going to he's going to sweep this thing. Like it's going to actually happen. Um, of course, he had ran into some trouble with some, um, I think, some rear end issues there uh, before halfway there. Uh, Robert, did you kind of were you following along? Did you kind of were, were you uh, kind of having the same response I did uh, at any point there after seeing him sweep the prelims and get out to an early lead at uh, in the finale there? We don't even need to talk about Tyler Herb because he's got his own damn podcast. I mean, what are we <laughs> what are we talking about him for? This is true. I mean, yeah, well, 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 you, know. Well, you know, no, it's seriously. Uh, and he, yeah, he was he he had two great great nights, and uh, and uh, the way he got out there, you're like, this we're about to see another sweep right here. You know, here comes the brooms again because uh, it has kind of seen – it's kind of been that season, that kind of season where, where guys have been real streaky and guys have gotten hot, and uh, and when they get dialed in at a place, it's like you can't touch them. And that's kind of the way it seemed that uh, Tyler was there the first two nights. And then, of course, he had the, the problem. And I still haven't had a, a good explanation with what the problem was. I was – I think I was – it's my understanding it's some stripped uh, quick change gears maybe. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, and so uh, and so for them to uh, to get some new gears in there to change that, um, you know, it's pretty remarkable, really, that yeah, they finished impressive. where they finished they get that done. feature. You know, and, and I, I've seen the most the 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 most impressive thing I've ever seen during the course of a race where somebody actually came back and won the race was Rodney Wing changing a, a, an entire control arm during a race. He just – everything fell in perfect perfect for him. He changed the a, a upper control arm. He broke a ball joint, basically. And so he changed – instead of, obviously, you're not going to change a ball joint necessarily during a race, he had the control arm, had the ball joint already in it. Uh, things just went right. As he's pulling off the track, a huge pile up in turn four. And uh, he catches a caution, kind of a red flag. So he don't even go all the way down to his pits. He pulls right in there and park. I saw him jump out of his car. He runs down to his pits, grabs another control arm. Somebody's coming up there with a the jack. They change the control arm. By the time they get this melee in turn four cleaned up, he's got the control arm changed. And he gets back out there and starts dead last and wins the race. This is a super race. Uh, maybe at uh, Pike County, maybe, I think. I'm not 100% sure where I was. but. Um, that's the most impressive thing I've ever seen really comeback wise. So for Tyler Herb and them 
to do something eh, not really the same but similar. Uh, I, I'm impressed that they managed to come back and and finish where they did. It's uh, anytime you keep digging like that, uh, you know that's a lot of want to right there, and and that's that's very impressive. So kudos to them for even getting that finish on the third night. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kevin, were you down there? Did were you kind of did you think he had a chance of getting back out? I imagine it was a pretty frantic scene uh, down there while he was uh, they were getting that done. Yeah, well, pit stops with late models always kind of they kind of amuse me a little bit because there's a million people running around. I mean, it's like just mass mayhem. It's like how how's anything happening here anyway? Uh, I mean, teams, everybody else from other teams is there, and it was it was like it was that way with Brandon Shepard when he had a a problem after running in the uh, 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 Jeremiah Hurst during the heat race and messed up his uh, radiator and hood and stuff uh, earlier in the week. And, and it was like that with, with herb. I mean, there were so many people running around and th- this wasn't a tire or this wasn't body work. This was, they had to get under that car, jack it up and pull a, pull the quick change gear to pull the cover off and get the quick change gears uh, change. And, and like Randall Edwards, his crew chief said after the race, I mean, that's not normally something you do in, in the middle of a race for sure. Or when yeah, they're never. hot, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Hot, it's hot oil there. Right. So, yeah. um, I mean, like after the race, Randall Edwards, uh, Justin Duty, uh, who was helping them, uh, and another and one other crew guy, they all had burns on their hands. I mean, yeah. like Randall said, like you obviously you have to do it with gloves on. You're not doing that without gloves. But there was still some splashing going on. I mean, those guys had little burn marks all over them, so they had some uh, battle scars from uh, didn't do what they did. And, and it wouldn't have been able to happen, of course, if it wasn't the perfect timing from between first caution between 30 and 50. They were going to throw a red flag. Um, uh, the officials were so that everybody could refuel uh, for, the, for the scheduled fuel stop. And that was lap 40. That was the time that they were going to do it. Uh, and But Herb was able to get in the infield and pits and get working on that before the, the – I mean, they did about, I don't know, four or five laps maybe. I mean, pretty slow. They got him in single file formation before they brought him into the infield. They did Normally, the last past past years, they were doing it on the home stretch. You know, they just bring them on the home stretch and stop them, uh, and then the guys go on the track. But this year, they brought them into the infield, and that took a little more time to get everybody uh, situated, I guess, and, and in line. And they bring them in, and and uh, Herb's guys had to stop working on the car during that red flag. They were not allowed to keep going. I mean, they weren't very happy about that because they said we were, we were the one brought the caution out. But the rules were, when that red flag for five minutes, you couldn't work. Uh, but they had already had enough time to really get a lot of it done. And so, man, it was, and then they finished it off and got him back on the track. And, you know, I mean, they, he did rear end did seize up later in the race and he was lucky to finish six, but man, it still was a heck of a heck of an effort by all those guys. Yeah, that's, that's definitely impressive um, for him and for his crew. So yeah, like I say, kudos to those guys, Robert, do you have something else? Well, you know, I, I just think that it's actually impressive that the diagnosis uh, you know, because, you know, I know that you're, uh, there's a lot of stuff back there that can give similar symptoms, uh, in, in a rear end. We, uh, I rarely make any di- diagnosis, uh, correct. Uh, we were at Fort Payne, Alabama recently racing and, uh, and, uh, you know, we were running remarkably, we're running the top five and, and I saw my brother just kind of coast into the infield. Well, I could hear. Uh, I could hear the RPMs kind of go up and I could see the way the car kind of wanted to to drive off of, off the corner. So my first thought was it broke an axle. 
uh, we're only on one axle, you know, and so we're only driving off of one tire. Uh, and so my first thought was, a, was an axle or something like that. And I was actually relatively correct because it's stripped the inside of the spool on that one side. So it was only pulling off one side. So remarkably, I actually made that, that diagnosis correct, but I never in a million years would guess quick change gears. Um, never. Uh, and, and I'm not even going to lay down there and pull the pop the cover off most of the time but for to me i think that's pretty remarkable that they made that correct diagnosis and it might have been a couple of things they might have looked and said well no this axle's it's the spool still turning because you can jack it up and turn the wheel and when you turn the wheel you know you know if the other side's turning then it's not in the spool right there usually you know so there's there's all kinds of things that you can do but man for them to and they had time which is good but for them to to make that correct diagnosis and to get that fixed that's that's pretty pretty impressive yeah it definitely impressive and uh my uh you know when it comes to diagnosing uh, issues on a race car mine uh, my diagnosis goes as far as mechanical issues and that's where i typically <laughs> stop so good job for you robert being a little more mechanically inclined there but uh uh yeah so anything else uh about knoxville uh kevin you feel like we missed any uh anything worth adding before we, we start discussing uh the texas race no, it was, a, again, just a good weekend. I mean, the car count was down a little bit because maybe some few guys from Texas didn't, that that went to Texas might have been there. Uh, and there was also a few guys that uh, that ran the Malvern Bank Series that didn't have super motors uh, that they would have, you know, probably been running too if they were had a motor ready to go. Uh, so that was a, you know, little, little, little bit of a disappointment that the crowd, the car count was down, but still plenty of cars, 48 uh, were there. And uh, the only other one thing that I just mentioned really quick was a lot of the drivers had mentioned that the track was a little more narrow in the corners that that inside berm was pushed out and they noticed that it made it harder to pass because uh, the inside guy and the outside guys were usually so far apart, how wide the track was in the past where like the outside guy wasn't affected by the air, of the inside guy. And they were mentioning that this year that they were kind of closer together. And those outside guys were affected by that air of, off that inside uh, driver and inside car. And, and it made it more difficult to pass. So they had to really plan out like, you know, hey, I'm going to how I'm going to do this. You know, I can't just like somebody's going to then other drivers. They got the inside would knew that they could mess up the guy on the outside with their air. So that was a, hopefully the track is a little wider, I guess, the next time. I don't know if it like something happened there where it's a little bit uh wasn't quite as wide as usual but other than that i mean still great racing i mean i, I you can't ask for much more than a, a battle like that toward down right down to the wire for the win uh the guy who led at lap 80 did actually win this time i mean it doesn't usually happen there so a lot of times uh, there's always a late rate pass but creedy almost pulled it off but couldn't get it done it was uh, an interesting race for sure. I was I did get to watch the the end of it there on on Mav TV Plus uh, on my phone as I was sitting uh, and waiting at uh, the Texas Motor Speedway dirt track uh, there for the super late model feature on Saturday. Um, I, we'll start uh, with that one just by talking about Overton. I mean, we've talked a lot about him obviously this year. He's I, I, was it five wins. Of over fifty thousand or something, I can't remember now. I looked, I, I had it in my mind. Does anyone know offhand how many wins over fifty thousand he has? Well, uh, he's got yeah, this one here. He's got the yeah, two, five. Dream, two dreams. He's got the World One Hundred, North South One Hundred. That's five right yeah. there. Yep. 
Yeah, so it's it's quite an impressive year, um, and even just an impressive stretch here, going back to Labor Day weekend where he picked up a forty thousand dollar win uh, to kick off Labor Day weekend um, at Cherokee. Goes up and wins the fifty first uh, World One Hundred. Um, didn't didn't complete the sweep there uh, with the fiftieth, and but he bounces back and wins uh, at Texas. I'll say that it started out. I mean, he was obviously fast all weekend, but it started out he uh, got buried in in the redraw or the, the invert for the heat races. They inverted the top four from qualifying, and uh, I think he got the fourth in his heat race. Um, and it was like, oh, he's, he's you know going to struggle a little bit. Um, and he kind of started slow in the feature there, but by the time he got to uh, it was only a 30 lap feature. Both features were 30 lap, which kind of weird. But by the time he, um, you know, kind of the race was winding down, you just pretty obvious. I think he got to, to fifth, um, had a little run in with Chris Madden uh, there that slowed him down. I think he said meant, meant something in the front end. But by that point, you know, about 10 to go, it was like, okay, he's fast. And if he had more laps, he'd get to the lead. Um, so he kind of knew that he was going to be the one to beat come uh, when they're racing for 50 grand there uh, on Saturday. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I wonder for you guys, from, from your perspective, are we, you know, we talked a little bit about driver of the year and I know it's going to be a discussion for later, but are we, are we kind of set on it being Brandon Overton at this point with all that he, he's done? What a uh, quick response from you guys. What do you, you think? Is he, you know, on track for that? Is it, is it sewed up? What do y'all think, Robert? Uh, to me, it's uh, somebody else would have to almost run the tables for the rest of the year. I, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, Brandon Overton all the, all the way, you know, I don't have any qualms about, saying who I think it is on my, you know, I just, I think that what he's done, his body of work, um, you know, so far is, is heads and shoulders above everybody else's, you know, there, you know, JD is close, you know, he, but he's the only one that's close. And to me, JD would have to run the dirt track. I mean, he would just, there's so many things that JD would have to do to overcome him for me. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Kevin, you on the same page there? What, what do you think? He's won almost eight hundred thousand dollars already, <laughs> you know, and and he's got a hundred two hundred. He could get over a million. He could go over a million, and it wouldn't really be too shocking now because he's got uh, two hundred thousand dollar races that he could still win. Uh, he got the Dirt Track World Championship and that Las Vegas race. Uh, now he's in. He can win a hundred thousand dollars to that because he's been to the Bristol and. And uh, he's got the perfect attendance for that double uh, the money deal. So uh, that's that's two races. He can be over a million uh, with just a few other, uh, you know, you know payoffs so, thrown in there. And, man, that that's that's mind boggling. You know, the that's not he's not even running again. We've I mentioned this before. He's not even running a series. So he's not. That's a you know, I mean, he would be getting more money with the points fund. He would have gotten another. You could add another forty, fifty thousand dollars in show up money to anything he's got. Uh, if he was running a series. So, I mean, he's made up for that, no doubt. With, yeah. uh, I mean, if you're not going to run a series, you got to win. you got to win races. You can't be can't be finishing just fourth or fifth because it's not going to pay off. You're not getting anything at the end of the year for finishing fourth or fifth like you would with a series. So uh, you're not getting show up money. So here he's running all this. Ra- he's, he's making up for it. He's going to make people think you could do it, but you got to be as good as Brandon Shepard to be able to pull that off, though. That's the thing. For sure. And I'm wondering, you mentioned uh, that. I was going to ask you if you guys know, obviously, uh, Donnie Moran won over a million dollars when he won the the, dirt, uh, the the million at Eldora. What are some other, I think Brandon Shepard has a, a season where he got somewhat Shepherd close was to any other. 
40, I think, two years ago when he won those 400 grand uh, checks. And uh, but he still fall, fell short. That was with his own car, too, and the Rocket House car. Uh, so I, he just was a little he was he was getting close. I mean, and like that was the part you could see you could see it lining up towards the end of the year. Well, like if he would have done this and this and this, he would have been able to get there. But uh, it, he fell short. And he also got and also. Uh, you started talking about that a little bit later in the year. I don't think that uh, he was, that was like after the, uh, you know, like at maybe in October, we kind of said like, well, he could still get a million, man. Yeah. Overton will run all the way up until December too. I mean, right. I mean, he'll probably run those uh, races that are down South. He'll run that Southern raceway. Uh, the hunt to front is involved with for 20 grand. He'll probably go there. I mean, he's got a lot of races left. That's, that's uh, why it'd, so, be, it'd be nice if he was close to that that million dollar mark and needed to come down to Milton, Florida, down here where I am, and win that mm-hmm. uh you know pick up twenty or twenty five thousand down here to to bring him bring him down this way. That would be that would be pretty cool. But uh yeah, certainly an impressive uh, season for him. Robert, do you have something you're gonna add? I kind of cut you off there a second ago. Uh, no, no, you're good. I was just I was just curious, you know, if we knew how many of these races that maybe he's won that he would not have been able to attend had he followed a series. I think that'd be an interesting look, you know, had he did follow a series, you would, you would need that point money to maybe make up for some of these races that, that he would have had to skip by being committed to a series. You know, I, I'm not, I, I, for a person out there trying to make a, a living, uh, running this stuff, I, I, Devin Moran kind of broke my heart when I heard Devin Moran say that they still felt, even though the great year he's had, they still felt like running a series was the best thing to do. Uh, And nothing against either one of these tours, the national tours, because they're great for the sport. And, and, and they bring racing all around the country, uh, you know, and they, they help the sport. But uh, I, sometimes I feel like, I wish a guy would do more. We have more guys doing what Overton has done this year. And and to have Overton and Davenport kind of dabbling away from it a little bit, not really. He's he's more back to the Lucas deal now. And then Moran. Uh, I wish we had more guys like that, you know, and, and obviously uh Overton has has but like you said, you've got to you got to win races. I've always said no matter what level you're at you want to keep going and without getting into your own pockets you've got to run almost in the top three almost not every single week literally but if you're not winning you've got to knock off top threes and top fives period it's 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 mandatory unless you're about to start getting into your you know college fund for your kids if there (laughs) is one so you know So I feel like that what he's done is is just remarkable because he's out there winning races and and everybody, if there's ten of them out there doing the same thing, they all can't be winning races because they're going to the same places, so they're all not winning. So all of a sudden those earnings go down. But I just feel like that you've got to uh, you got to. I've always said it: if you're not running the top three, you're spending your own money, and that's uh, that's not always a fun thing, and that eventually will, will run out. So now if you're not running in the top three all the time, maybe the series is the best way to go. So you do get that $700 to show up every time you go, you know, that's, that's the thing you need to do. And, and kind of a thing that drivers as a team have to evaluate and say, say what's best for them. Cause what's best for one guy is not always best for, for yeah. others, you know? Yeah. yeah speaking, I would say, like, speaking, yeah, 
Well, sorry, I, I'm just saying about Overton. I mean, he is so confident in his ability that he can go everywhere and, and he's going to be in the race. Uh, if, if you don't have the show up money, you don't have the provisionals, you go to one race and you don't make it. I mean, that you're, you're, that's, you know, you, you would have been guaranteed almost a $2,000 with your run to the Lucas Oil Series. We get show up money and, and last place money. And here you go to a race and you don't make it, you get nothing. You make it the $100 or something, you know, for show for a uh, uh, tow money. I guess you get your entry fee back maybe sometimes, but uh, that puts you behind. I mean, and, and I, th- I think a guy like me, Devin Moran, is picking his spots too. He's going where he really knows that he's really good. You know, uh, he, he that, which has been really successful for him. You know, I mean, he hasn't. Uh, I mean, he mentioned it before. He's like, I'm not going somewhere where I know I'm probably going to struggle. You know, and and uh, he would have to do that sometimes. Uh, if he's going to go pick that kind of place, you want to have that insurance that you're going to be in the race with a series. You know, that's a, and you'll you'll still get money by going. Uh, I mean, it, it must be. I mean, there's guys like I me mean, look like a, I mean, a Josh Richards or something. He only got a couple wins this year, uh, but he's still doing. He's he's still surviving because uh, he's getting that show up money. He's got that money at the end of the year with the point fund money. So, uh, you know, it, it's it is a when you're running really good though, it does it, it does pay off like a like an Overton's doing. But I, again, there's not too many guys that can make this work that well. Yeah, speaking of, uh, we're kind of, you know, saying that, uh, like, in case Morant have to evaluate decisions uh, and, and make the best decision, I wonder what you guys think of his uh, decision and the evaluation process he had on the last lap at Texas. Uh, I don't know if you, if you guys were following it closely, but he's running second, which is a $20,000 payday. It's locked down, rubbered up, really, uh, you know, they, they were literally the top two lap cars were ahead of Overton or, or maybe more, at least two were. Uh, and then the top seven, I think, were all right there in a line. Um, and, uh, no one's passing anyone at that point. Well, uh, Moran, who's run second pretty much the whole race. And when I, before it tried, rubbered up, I'd say he was as fast as Overton appeared to be, was kind of pressuring him. Um, and then he steps out of line going into turn one on the last lap, you know, going to try to hug close to Overton and, and, uh, and make it work and make a run around him. Of course, he just slides off the top and falls to fourth, which went from $20,000 payday for second, uh, to making, I think it was $7,500, uh, for fourth. So $12,500 it cost him by trying that, uh, on the last lap. I'm curious, uh, you know, what do you, what did you guys, what do you guys think of that decision? Uh, uh, you know, applauding for it or was it a, was it a dumb move on, on, uh, on, in your mind? I'll, I'll start with you, Robert. Uh, can you say both? Because I applaud him <laughs> for going, I, I mean, certainly I applaud him for going for it. I mean, you're, you're thinking it's his only shot. It's his only shot. This is the only thing I can do to try to win this this 50K. Now, on the truck ride home, had that been my brother? Oh, damn. Man, I would have been, you know, you just cost us $13,000 and we could have bought, you know, we could have freshened a motor with that or we could have paid off our tire bill with that. There's so many things that you hindsight's 2020. And, and I do not, I rarely, rarely, since I'm not sitting in a seat, I rarely second guess what a driver sees out the windshield or what a driver's thinking. I rarely, you know, I try not, I try not to. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, but, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I try not to, you know, and I say rarely based on the number of races that we see and the number of people that we see race. Granted, there are times when I'm like, what in the world is that guy thinking? Or what's that guy doing? Or even my own, my own, brother a couple of times i'm like eh, what's he doing but but with 
a deal like that, he still, you know, ran respectable. He was there. They knew he was there. So I applaud him for it. He's going for it, you know, on the way home. However, you know, you're probably sitting there, you know, kind of kicking yourself thinking, dang, if I just stayed in line, we could have paid off our Hoosier bill or, or we could have <laughs> sent that, we could have sent that motor, you know, to wherever, sent it and got it freshened or, you know, just stuff like that goes through your mind. But you're not thinking about that when you're thinking right. about passing Brandon Overton. Paying your tire bill is usually not what you're thinking about on the last lap of a $50,000-to-win race when you're chasing Brandon Overton. You're thinking well, about 50 k and passing Brandon Overton. I was going to say, not to mention that's a $30,000 increase, you know, if he goes from second to first the, there, if he can uh, complete the pass, though. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kevin, did, were you watching it? I know you are probably busy at uh, Knoxville. I was going, did you, did you see that coming, or did, did you see that and? Uh, I think that was I didn't happen there. see it, but yeah, you kind of yeah, it's the way it's thirty thousand more for the win, twelve thousand five hundred for I guess yeah, you you kind of like the all these racers are gamblers, right? I mean, like that seems <laughs> right. like a better gamble than it is the you know I throw throw my throw my money on that, you know, and, and also I mean it's circumstances too. Uh, Evan Marin's had a pretty good year, uh, you know, like if he's if he's struggling, he's got one or two wins this year. That twenty thousand dollars is going to look really good, you know. I mean, right. it'd be like. I am not jeopardizing 20,000 to take, to take, you know, to get 50 or, you know, like to end up $12,500 less. Uh, he had, I think, you know, when, when you're having that good of a year, he's won over, you know, $100,000 and in, in wins just won a 30 grand race a few weeks ago in Davenport, Iowa, you know? So he, he had a little cushion, I guess you could say. Right. I mean, you know, it's just like, Hey, uh, I've already had a great year. I mean, it's, that twelve thousand five hundred dollars more would be great to have, no doubt. But I'm not, I'm not like, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's not, he's not a pauper right now, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm he's like, the, he's had the bank accounts. Yeah. Probably a little. Yeah. Decent, he's he's not scratching and clawing for every second, <laughs> right? I mean, the yeah. risk, the risk reward there was a lot better for him than another guy who was like, man, I'm struggling all year. I mean, I'm in second place, twenty thousand dollars. That's a win for me. I mean, yeah, you know. I mean, he's he's already it wasn't wouldn't have been his biggest payday of the year, you know, twenty thousand. He yeah, still would have, you know. So he's, he's like thinking, I could get a bigger payday than I've had for any. So I think it's kind of a circumstance. So good for him for going for it. There you go. A uh, couple other things I'll mention um, uh, about Texas. Um, just uh, Kay Dillard getting the the win on Friday, ten thousand dollar opener. There uh, it was pretty cool to see that uh, see him do that. His uh, grandfather passed away. Um, less than a week, I think it was Sunday uh, before the race, uh, less than a, a week before the race, his, uh, his grandfather passed away and, and hearing him talk about him and, and he, uh, Cade got a little emotional about it. It was uh, just a pretty cool uh, moment there and, and, and a big, you know, big win for him, um, both, you know, at a, a big event and a nice payday, but also, um, you know, kind of a win for his, his granddad there. Uh, also, I was going to mention Billy Moyer uh, had a runner up finish in Friday's um uh, opener and and I'll be honest, I was I was watching like Billy Moore is going to win this race. Like he was he was I think he if he'd had a little more time, I think he'd have got uh, Cade there. Uh, of course, it's only a thirty lapper. And then I thought he had a pretty good opportunity on Saturday. He won his heat race. Moyer did, and I thought he was going to start in fourth. Thought he had a good opportunity maybe to sneak in there, especially on a shorter race. Um, you know, not as demanding perhaps, uh, but he faded. I think ended up seventh. I want to say in the finale. And I, I talked to him afterward, and he. He, this is Billy Moyer, one of the greatest drivers ever, could not get tires for that event. 
Um, he said he had to run, he didn't say they were all used tires, but he was on used tires that he normally wouldn't run because they were out of tires. He couldn't get them before he went and he couldn't get them there, what, what he needed. And he felt like that was what messed him up. Um, and I, I don't know, like I, the tire situation, you know, we could go on and on about that and have a whole podcast about it and our opinion on it. Truth is, I have no idea why it is the way it is, but it is frustrating when even a guy like Billy Moyer can't get tires, um, you know, and you know, there's other guys, especially like I've said before, the, the smaller teams they don't have big inventory and big supply of tires already, um, you know, they're struggling right now. And I really, really wish they would, uh, they'd get that straightened out. But, um, but anyway, uh, and then the other thing there I'll say about Texas before moving on, um, I'm gonna try not to make this a rant, but it's a 50,000 to win race and you've built it the entire time as this major, uh, you know, event, crown jewel event, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we're sitting through, like I said, eight or nine divisions, six or seven divisions of modifieds, um, just sitting there all night and the features don't even run. Both nights, the features didn't run to almost midnight. Uh, I just don't get it. I don't get when you're trying to position these events as major, you know, events in dirt late model racing and we're drawing the biggest names, which, you know, it was debatable with who turned out, uh, why we would do that, why, you know, we would choose to put them at the very end of the night at almost midnight uh, for, uh, for the race, uh, especially when you're trying to get these guys to come out to Vegas at the end of the year. Uh, I know, you know, again, I'm sitting there frustrated and ready to call it a night. And I know if I was a, a driver there that night, I would be hard pressed to make the, the long haul out to Vegas to know that that's probably what we're going to be doing again out there. I'd give them, a, you know, I'll give you a pass at Bristol. It's the same group that put it on. Um, you know, for doing that, I understand that was a totally different situation. Tons, tons of, uh, other cars wanted, the, you know, lower division drivers wanted the opportunity to race there. My brother was one of them and it was cool to get to go, but you know, Texas isn't the same thing like that, that most of those, uh, support division cars had raced there most of the season, uh, in a little mini series they had there. There wasn't that many support division cars, just had a bunch of divisions. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't like that. I don't think it was, you know, that's, if we're going to, you know, in, increase the level of the sport and grow it and, you know, get, you know, more professional, we should have events that are run more professionally. And I think that did turn into a rant, and I apologize. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move, look ahead um, to uh, to next weekend. Uh, I was going to talk about Brownstown um, is kind of the, the headliner. Of course, there's a 50,000 win crate race, so crate guys don't get mad at me for saying Brownstown uh, is the the headline event on the schedule. But I would say for super late models, it is. Um, just wondering what you guys any storylines you got as the Lucas Oil Series heads back there to, or I believe is it three nights of racing? They got a makeup race, and then the regular scheduled events. Kevin, what you, what you got your eye on there at, at Brownstown? Yeah, it's uh, th this was the one really we're setting up at one point to be like, this is where like it was so interesting. This is the race member on Thursday, the the rain out, the postponement. They have a B main left, I think. And, and then the feature that was the icebreaker from March. That was the one that Jonathan Davenport skipped uh, to go run Bristol where he won the 50 grand race. Uh, the Bristol Dirt Nationals, and everybody's like, oh, is he giving up on the Lucas Oysters? But then that race got rained out, the feature, so he's able to go run it now. He's able to tag the, the B-Main and, and still maybe salvage the point. So you're, you're looking at that like, man, this is uh, for this all these years, all the whole year, it's like, man, that's going to be, that could be a real key race because that's a, that's a turning point in the point race. But now, of course, Davenport's falling behind, so it's not uh, – not as intriguing as it was looking. I mean, he could still obviously come back, but man, that wasn't, that's not, that doesn't have the, the juice that it was, it would have, would have had earlier. And, and other than that, I'm kind of, uh, this is it's a Hudson O'Neill's home turf, man. Right. I mean, this is, uh, it was so cool when he won, uh, won that race, uh, the Jackson a few years ago. Uh, that was a real emotional, real exciting, uh, atmosphere when, when Hudson can do that. And, 
yeah, maybe he could do it again. I mean, that'd be pretty pretty neat to to see him. Uh, I mean, I know that this is this is a race that's going to get him a little more jazzed up than normal uh, because it's in his backyard, and so I'll be watching how Hudson does this weekend. Certainly is a good opportunity for him to uh, further establish himself as a, you know, that runner-up spot in the uh, in the Lucas Oil points there. Robert, I, I believe you're heading to Louisiana with your brother. I know y'all were heading on, planning on going um, uh, last weekend before the the Super B100, the 50,000 to win crate race down there, Super B Speedway, formerly Chatham Speedway in Chatham, Louisiana. Uh, you're heading there. You guys, are you, are you heading there? Are you still, you and your brother still going? And also give me a couple things kind of as a preview for it that you'll be watching, whether you're there or not, uh, this weekend. Yes, we are still going uh, foolishly to Chatham to race against. We we struggle against uh, a dozen cars wherever we go, and not all the time. But so yeah, we're going to go take on ninety cars at Chatham and throw our hat in the ring and try to try to make that show, uh, which would be uh, huge for us. But but yeah, it's more about having fun and enjoying the sport, enjoying time with your family. And uh, and getting to race a little bit, uh, so uh, I do wish that they hadn't put qualifying on Thursday night and kind of handcuffed us there for three straight nights, basically keeping and making us qualify on Thursday and then come back and run heats and whatnot on Friday and then the show on Saturday. So I'm not a big fan of that part, but but uh, you know it's not so much about that as it is you know my daughter's coming home from college, she's going to ride down with us. We're going to we're going to camp. We're going to um, race some so looking really forward to that uh that trip hopefully the weather be better than than what was expected last weekend as far as brownstown i was there for the jackson last year it was incredible i do not anticipate it being quite as incredible this year the 60 cars last year but if you think about the circumstances of that we're coming off a year where everything was kind of locked up covid deal and and it was just a perfect storm for my it's actually my first trip to brownstown so i'm blown away i'm sitting there taking pictures looking at the campers and couldn't find a place to park and texting texting my brother saying this place is awesome it's like eldora you know i mean it was it was incredible i do feel like that that you'll kind of have the same same type of atmosphere, but just not as many cars. I don't think there'll be 60. I might be fooled, but I don't think there'll be 60. But uh, um, it, it was incredible atmosphere. And, and Timmy McCready won the, the finale last year. I expect him to do the same this year. You know, he's just, he's really run really good. And I, I think that Tim's going to add more money to his coffers. So that's my Brownstown take. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll certainly be one to watch there. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up uh, like we do every week with our uh, one more thing uh, where we go around and each mention one th- one other thing from the previous week, whether it be a result or a new news item that uh, that stood out to us uh, and, and we feel like it was worth mentioning. Uh, I'm going to start and I'm going to mention Southern Raceway, my hometown track where I grew up, where I used to race and where my brothers uh, and my father raced is uh, planning to have the um, the biggest race ever at it at the track, a, a 5,000 to win, um, uh, unsanctioned super late miles, 5,000 to win on Friday and 20,000 to win on Saturday, uh, November 19th and 20th, I believe there. So the week before Thanksgiving, um, hopefully it's good weather. And, and I'll go ahead and acknowledge that Ms. my my brother's uh, YouTube channel and race team 
online brand, whatever you want to call it, Hunt the Front is a part of putting it on. So I'm kind of involved with it. But either way, I'm really excited about it. Um, excited. And, and it's, it's just hopefully a big weekend of racing at our home track. It's, um, you know, a place that needs needs some work, needs some improvement. Um, if you've ever been there, you know, it's uh, it's it's a little bit dated, but hopefully um, getting some folks there and getting a big event will uh, help spur that movement. So if you're looking for something to do come uh, November, kind of keep that in mind. Nice trip to Florida down here would be a, a good way to, to wrap up the season. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? What do you got for one more thing? Well, I kind of going to go back to Knoxville for one second. I didn't, didn't really mention this, but Earl Pearson Jr. How about uh, his uh, sort of comeback uh, there? You know, I mean, he uh, been struggling, you know, really struggling this year. Uh, well, at least, you know, probably longer than just this year with uh, the Black Diamond House car. They really, and, and Ronnie Stuckey's team, they uh, just weren't getting the job done. And time, I think it was, it, it ended up being time for a change, both of them said. And so their race, they raced together for the last time uh, over Labor Day weekend at Portsmouth. And 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 uh, Earl went right over, uh, started over, made, you know, with a Longhorn car, which, by the way, Pearson was one of the originals in the Longhorn. Remember back when uh, Bobby Labonte, when he was running for him, and they started Longhorn. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Before but, um, it was the Longhorn, yeah. we know it now. Just where the, yeah, yeah, they were. He yeah. was the 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 guinea pig a little bit. The guinea pig, the, exactly. That's what he said yeah, way back in the day, almost <laughs> a decade ago. But um, but he's back in the Longhorn now with Jason Papage. His buddy is uh from the running the Lucas Oil series together a few years ago. They're hunting buddies now and. And he brought the Lucas Oil sponsorship over with him uh, uh, to run for uh, for Papich. And, and right out of the gate, he ran really well. He got a ninth place in the first night, which he could have been better, uh, or seventh place, I, I think it was actually. He would have been better if he didn't had not uh, you know bumped the wall in the first lap off of two. And then he gets a fourth on, in the hundred lap. Or uh, that was his kind of was his one. He's one of his, his second best finish ever in the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, in one of his few top fives this whole year. So you could just see there was a new <laughs> – Earl said, he goes, I thought I might be done. The way we were running this year, I thought my, my career might be over because I just couldn't get it done anymore. And, and I think this weekend did kind of re-energize him, and, and now he can look to the future with a little bit more uh, positivity, I think, now because uh, as he's with, uh, with his buddy Papich. Yeah, definitely a good uh, good run there for EPJ as he uh, starts. Maybe what might be his comeback uh, as he uh, you know with his new team there, Papish and those guys. Uh, Robert, what do you have for one more thing? I just uh, I just want to give a, a kind of a tip of the hat really to uh, Dave Hess up there, and and I can't believe Kevin didn't do this up there in his neck of the woods in Pennsylvania, but he uh, swept the September sweeps at Erie, which great name for a race when you have back-to-back $5,000 to win races and a guy comes in and sweeps it. Dave Hess of Waterford, uh, Pennsylvania, goes in there and wins both of them uh, this past weekend. He's, he's, I think, the track champion there as well. And he's had a, a great kind of an under-the-radar, uh, kind of an under-the-radar type season up there running in, in Kevin's neck of the woods. So tip of the hat to, to Dave Hess for picking up ten grand this weekend. All right, there you go. I believe that's uh, going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. I, I don't know how we did it, but even without Todd, we still managed to have one of our longest podcasts yet. So um, hopefully we didn't bore you all and uh, appreciate everyone for hanging around and, and listening. Y'all have a great weekend, and we will be back to do it again next week.